0: Hands of my podcast is a proud member of DarkCast Network, presenting the brightest of indie podcasts. Hola, my beautiful humans. This is Jasmine Castillo, and I bring stories and cases from the people of color community, bringing awareness of murdered and missing indigenous women, girls, two spirits, the LGBTQ community, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, Pacific Islander, Black Indigenous people of color. These are their stories. So, welcome to Hands
1: Off, my podcast. Side A, on today's episode, the momentous life of Buffalo Jim Barrier.
0: In the vast realm of true crime, some cases burn brighter than others, etching themselves into the chronicles of mystery and intrigue. Such is the captivating life of James Christopher, Buffalo Jim Barrier, a name synonymous with resilience, community spirit, and an untimely demise that still haunts the corridors of justice. He was a true Renaissance man, best known for fighting crime and corruption in the city he loved, Las Vegas. On today's episode, I had the honor of speaking with Jennifer Barrier, daughter of Buffalo Jim, as well as special guests Gus Flangus and Johnny Payne, longtime friends of Buffalo Jim. We'll unravel the mysterious surroundings of Buffalo Jim Barrier's death, shed light on the momentous life. Join us as we uncover the secrets and search for answers surrounding this haunting crime.
1: Hello, my name is Jennifer Barrier, the daughter of Buffalo Jim Barrier. Thank you so much for having us on this podcast today. I'm looking forward to discussing the death of my father, which occurred on April 5th, 2008.
2: My name's Gus Flangus. I've known Buffalo for a long, long time. Uh, we kind of passed crossed paths when we were uh, in our late teens because we both have a common uh, heritage, both being Greek. And I got to, I took off and went to college. I went to army for about ten years, and then I went to uh, law school. And then when I came back, somehow we got back in contact with each other, and we recognized that we both had uh, talked to each other and crossed paths as you know uh, teenagers. And next thing I know, I'm taking my cars over there. We started, you know, forming a pretty fast friendship. And then the stuff that was happening with the crazy horse, I ended up his lawyer on those matters to protect his rights and his interests on what they were trying to do to him and his premises. So that's basically, in a very minor nutshell, how I got to know him. Uh, He became a regular fixture in my office. He'd show up with gifts all the time. My staff loved him. We got all the buffalo paraphernalia quite frequently. I got Christmas gifts from him. Uh, Just an amazing person. Uh, I think, you know, when his passing, the world became a little bit less colorful. Uh, yeah, but yeah. I think he was an outstanding individual. Uh, and he had a pretty good, strong sense of right and wrong. Uh, I've really committed to right and wrong. There was no gray area for him. So that's how I know Buffalo and that's how I met him. And that's my relationship to him. I'm Johnny Payne. And for some reason,
3: the first night I met Buffalo, I don't know why he took a liking to me. We're in a club and he was sitting off in the corner while I was with the other wrestlers because Buffalo was part of uh, different wrestling federations. And he was very mystique back there for the Gus and Jen, you know, this Buffalo brings in, you know, like Gus said, when we lost Buffalo, the world lost a lot of color in it, a lot of entertainment in it. And, um. For one of the few times, he was over in the corner, very quiet. All the wrestlers were saying, is that Buffalo Jim? They, they were the young wrestlers. and uh, Is that Buffalo Jim? What's, what's he doing? I was like, he was almost intimidated. I'm like, yeah, I was having a good time being loud. And somebody comes over and taps me on the shoulder and goes, the man over there wants you to come sit in the um, uh, booth. And they're like, and all the other wrestlers are uh, like, I still remember, like, clear day. It's probably 30 years ago, more than that. And they're all like, "Woo!" and I'd go on over there. And then from that on in, became best of friends, got to see Jen growing up. Uh, I'm not sure how old she was there. He's got to see her sisters. And then Buffalo would come out to you know, go to San Francisco, go to different areas. And I'd meet him there for his. He was a working workin man, because like Jen said, he wanted to build a home a safe empire for them you know building that homes meant something because you know he came from nothing and he earned everything he got the hard way by working and working he'd be in that shop 7 a.m monday morning and leave at, if if it was done midnight on friday night i mean, of course going home in the evenings but I mean, he worked and worked and worked and um I loved going into the into his office and going down to his shop and, you know, Bill he built built an empire, he built a legend and, but uh, man, he was fun. He was so entertaining, so great to be with. I remember the day they called me, tell me that uh, we never went like a day without talking to each other several times, calling up just to say something funny, just goofy. And, you know, he was a busy man. It was kind of a running joke between the two of us. Uh, hey, Sykes, who beat diabetes? Clay, well, I didn't already know he did because he liked to brag about that. About three days or so went by without a phone call. Then one of his, his kids called and told me. I was right out there walking across the uh, crosswalk.
0: Thank you, Johnny. Sounds like a beauty. He's a beautiful person just from yeah. just just a little snippet of life that you would you loved life.
3: He he other people loved life being around him again, you know, just wanted to emphasize he loved life and he made other people love life. He could get away with things. Nobody could get away. I remember, Jen, we were at IHOP. And it's like anybody else being that loud would have been asked to leave. Gus, you would know this. But everybody around in the restaurant thought it was thought it was fun and you know fun and entertaining and you know a big guy beard down to his down to his waist and long black hair and you know dressed like a working man um but uh you know really loud happy funny and other people just you know just enjoyed it enjoyed him being there and being around being in life enjoyed him
0: Buffalo Jim, whose real name was James Christopher Barrier, was born in Cleveland, Cuyahoga County, Ohio, on March 22, 1953. He was a local wrestling promoter, a television personality, and an entrepreneur. Buffalo Jim relocated to Las Vegas from Cleveland, Ohio in 1971. Later, he established an all-state auto and marine On Industrial Road near the Las Vegas Strip. The company continued to operate until his death in 2008. He founded and ran the Buffalo Wrestling Federation Wrestling School in the late 1990s. Jim Wars, his famous local TV program that aired on Friday evenings, was often filmed at the school. Buffalo Jim met several celebrities, Hulk Hogan, The Undertaker, Boxer Muhammad Ali and wrestling and film sensation Dwayne the Rock Johnson are among them. Buffalo Jim Barrier also had a sizable collection of famous memorabilia, ranging from cars to a strand of Elvis Presley's hair. In addition to lesser items, Buffalo Jim had an automobile collection that included a Jensen Interceptor that originally belonged to Wayne Newton and a pink Cadillac, which was an offer he had made to Pamela Anderson in Las Vegas in
3: 2002. Well, we're here because of the um, the investigative part and the tragic uh, things surrounding it all. But um, I love to speak on the man, the father, the friend, you know, uh, uh, the human being, the businessman person who helped so many people and loved to help people and and you know just loved so many people so and so uh, you know I just don't want that to get not spoke on so I like to speak on that and uh, the man and um, the kind person he, he really really was so
0: oh yeah absolutely Because
3: obviously there's a lot of uh, intense things that their surrounding and uh, you know, but uh, people who've just watched your podcast for the first time, hear about this maybe for the first time, what have you, um, need to know about the human being too.
0: How did Buffalo Jim stick? How did that become a name? Buffalo Jim, Buffalo Jim, yes, yeah, so Is there my,
1: I, yeah, there's a backstory, yeah, there's a backstory. So while hanging out with a few friends at Arizona Charlie's, there was a very drunk Texan wearing a 10 gallon hat walking around. Eventually he walked directly up to my dad and had said, hey, I once had relations with a buffalo. You must be my son. Everyone burst out in laughter. From that day on, he was known as Buffalo Jim. Whoa. I never knew it. Like I I actually didn't learn that story until after my dad passed away. I just thought he was Buffalo Jim because like the maybe the Indian background or somebody had said he looks like a buffalo or I don't know I just never knew the full story maybe my dad didn't want to tell me I don't
0: know that's an interesting yeah. uh interesting yeah. backstory that's for yeah. sure
1: yeah
3: thank you they he was mention. Buffalo Jim yeah not just Jim but Buffalo Jim yeah it's duck for Buffalo sure. you know and um, what a story he has behind him of sleeping on Cement floors and gas stations, going collecting, you know, being homeless essentially, but with a goal in mind to try to build something for Jen and her sisters. That was such a huge goal for him all the time. He'd just tell me how he wanted a big, beautiful house for them and how he uh, how he scraped together nickels and dimes to dollars to go buy boat motor oil to go to Lake Mead in Las Vegas, to take one case of boat motor oil to Lake Mead where people had money, you know, and changing boat motor oil, people don't do that. They just let it run down, then add oil. So here at the time when Buffalo was much younger, he had long skinny arms and he's slim. He said, uh, can I change your boat motor oil for 50 bucks? Uh, heck yeah, anybody would have taken that. He'd do it, get the money, Go back by two two cases and continue to do that, you know, with with doing whatever work he could at gas stations till he was able to uh, get his his place. And that's you know partly why his place meant uh, a lot to him. Yeah.
2: Well, there was no question; family was paramount to him. That was his primary focus. He probably business was probably number two with him. And number three, Las Vegas itself, I think was very, very important to him. Like I mentioned earlier, he was trying to bring back things from a long time ago, loved old Vegas, he loved the uh, stories. Uh, He was a great promoter of the town. One of the columnists used to write on him quite frequently about his efforts. I think it was John L. Smith, who was a, uh, a columnist with the Las Vegas Review Journal here, mentioned him frequently. Uh, about his efforts and so i think those are his main loves and passions in life
3: yeah. yeah it's a good point gus i didn't think about saying how las vegas but you're right he i mean he was las vegas las vegas was him and yeah definitely and then you know of course family number one and building the business around to help well to support the family and help the girls have something and uh, but definitely uh, with the business helping a lot of people in there, a lot of employees um, and a lot of people who's, you know, transportation, they rely their life on their transportation. And so fixing their cars. So a quick end on a quick positive story. A guy come in one day. He, he was down on his luck he, and um, but Buffalo knew he, he could he could read people pretty good, like you said. And um, the guy just said, I just need some, uh, need an opportunity. And Buffalo said, go back to George. You're going to fix a car. George is going to oversee it. You can do it. My brother will tell me. He, the guy, you know, he looked a little wasted and stuff. He did his thing. George, I was still there, of course, when George came up. George said, hey, kids got some talent several weeks go by maybe maybe months i don't remember exactly i come back and i'm in the office and that same guy comes up looking clean you know wearing a uh, auto mechanic clothes you know clean for for the honorable job he's doing in the back and uh yeah the guy said you know then i said hey i remember you but when he said well he pointed to your dad he said you thank him for you know, reaching down and helping a man who could do nothing for him at the moment. And now, I just wanted to pay back, and so he really helped the guy come out of the the gutter, as they sp- say, and get on his feet. That was the kind of guy Buffalo was. Wow. That's
0: and wonderful.
3: the guy looked great. The mm-hmm. guy had obviously cleaned up, cleaned up his uh, whatever what he was going through that was holding him back and down. Guy looked great he did not look great on the first day I met him, but they took him back, tested him, you know, and the guy had a second chance at life. I would say Buffalo gave it.
0: Beautiful. And, um, Jennifer just mentioned like in the beginning of, of her, this story in regards to Las Vegas, that you, Johnny, you actually went out to Vegas a couple times and, uh, what was it like going to the Buffalo Wrestling Federation shows? Can you tell me a little bit about
3: that? Oh yeah, I went out there many, many times. I lost track on how many times, and uh, yeah, just so fun, so entertaining. Buffalo got most. What was the award, Jennifer? Most colorful, um, most entertaining, best. Oh, entertaining. most colorful.
1: Yeah, most colorful character.
3: Yeah, most colorful character in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm couple times, right? And he was so proud of that, that he um, he received that award a couple times. So when I come up and, you know, just like Buffalo put his energy into his shop, just like Buffalo put his energy into his family when Buffalo was around the wrestling and he was organizing it and or running it 100%. And it was just, he was a joy. People loved to be around him. He made you laugh. Smile! smiling made mean, just oh, I was so much fun and uh you know he loved to have his kids and being a part of it if they could and going up there and, and watching him wrestle he you know he he just loved wrestling because it kind of embodied him being loud and entertaining he just loved being around the wrestlers and wrestlers love being around him and he loved putting on the show and and he could he could do it and to promote himself and it was fun and funny and it was just awesome. Just awesome being around him. And here I'm in Las Vegas. I guess you consider a fairly fairly young guy at the time. Still am. Uh I am in Las Vegas and after filming or wrestling for with for Buffalo, I'm gonna go back to his shop and go into his office and just hang out. Just hang around talk stories and, you know because buffalo used to like to say even though he had to be in the office because he only took one week off a year he didn't take much time off and that was to be with Jen and her sisters to 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 rent a cadillac come out to california and just be a tourist for a week which was you know completely different than his life every single day of working and working and working but being around him out there was just blast. Everybody knew him. Hey Buffalo, hey Buffalo, and he loved the fact that everybody knew. Him. Like Jen said, he had a million good acquaintances, and he, and he was very generous to all of them, everybody.
2: I'd like to follow up on that most careful character because the article describing him uh, referred to him as a modern Renaissance man, and I like to point out that he loved Las Vegas and he loved old Las Vegas. Uh, when I grew up in Las Vegas myself, I'm 65 years old now, a little bit older than Buffalo. Uh, but when we were younger here in this town, they had a an event called Dorado days. And in school, you wore the little badges and kangaroo courts, they had a huge parade, rodeos and everything. And Buffalo worked his butt off to try to bring that back. Uh, he really worked hard on it. He even built this gigantic Buffalo that was yeah mechanical and spewing smoke and stuff and he parked it out there in front of his business for a lot of years but it drew a lot of attention and that was to help to you know to push the Dorado days back uh he would go into his uh business it was like going into a museum now buffalo's <laughs> kind of unique because he was one of those guys he was organized by being disorganized i mean there's papers everywhere uh staff stuff stacked uh most Normal people would not have been able to find anything in that, but he knew where everything was. But on the walls, he had pictures and he had uh, paraphernalia of wrestlers, boxers, politicians, and, you know, and just stuff about Las Vegas and about everything. And it was almost worthwhile just to go in there, whether you're getting your car fixed or not, just to walk around and <laughs> talk to him it about the stuff he had on the walls there because he had a story for everything that he had in there yes so he was amazing
3: well said gus and which was unbelievable about the giant buffalo he built we took it down to a parade i I don't remember which parade it was but it was in las vegas and we were running a little late i guess because we had it hooked on to the cadillac or one of the cars i don't think it was the chief it was the chief okay the chief and you know and he was so we're dragging the buffalo the giant buffalo and we're running, a little ladies, like taking turns, and the buffalos going on this. I'm like, Buffalo's going to tip, we're going to tip. He goes, No, Sykes, we got to make it. We're the big show, and you know, oh man, when he got there, he was. Though the parade was, you know, probably a mile long, he was like the, the focal point, and just remember them beads. He, he was throwing the beads to everybody. <laughs> he throws this bead, and it hooked on the front Cadillac emblem, and he goes, Sykes, go out to the front hood and get those beads i go buff we got ten thousand more beads here um you want me to climb out i go why don't we stop for a second go, no we can't stop you know so <laughs> okay i mean I, buffalo gets you to do anything so I slid out on the top of the um hood reach out get the the one bead come back you know the necklace of beads get back in the car he's just still doing his thing laughing well here's the here's the necklace he nope, throw it out to somebody and you know, the buffalo behind him and <laughs> he'd have done it for me, so I had to do it for him. It's yeah. cute. Yeah. He loved that parade. Loved something that was loud and entertaining and tell everybody why they called it the chief. What did he have painted on it? His an paint job. Yeah,
1: an Indian chief, a um, uh, Cherokee chief. Uh, yeah, I mean,
3: you can't explain how that, that hood looked. And, mm-hmm. Painted on, man. Oof. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I actually remember that day we were at the Helder Aldo's Parade, uh, Helder Autos Days Parade, and I was in the back on the float while it was spewing all the smoke. I would yeah. sit back there at and his
3: butt.
1: candy up. Yeah. And all of a sudden I saw you on the hood of the Cadillac.
3: <laughs> okay. Like, Crawling out. I mean, it seemed kind of dangerous. Just slow down for a minute? <laughs> no, and he we was pointing
1: at you, and everybody was like looking like, what's going on right now
3: (laughs) but I got it I got that little
1: (laughs) it was a funny moment I remember that
3: yeah Yeah.
0: if you were able to share about your father and your childhood that you know that you love to tell about
1: well I I can I can mention this he he loved being a cub scout um he looked forward to the weekly adventures a lot of people don't know he was a cub scout when he was younger but he was um, He must have done well because he was once awarded Cub Scout of the Year and had his picture taken at a ceremony with Cub Scout leaders and also politicians. Um, and I, I think that experience as a, as a Cub Scout really helped to shape him into the person he was had become, you know, he was a very ethical person. He was a man that knew right and wrong or tried to always do the right thing. Um, what Gus said, I believe is that my, there was no gray area with my dad. It was either right or wrong. There there wasn't any room for any gray area. Um, when he knew something was wrong, he always felt like it was important to speak up about those wrongdoings. Um, And so I believe that that Cub Scout um, experience of his really helped shape him into a leader. Um, And again, like it's interesting, because when I think of a person who was a Cub Scout, I think of someone who would go in the backwoods and start a fire and we would have a campsite. I've never seen my dad ever go camping. It's just (laughs) funny to me that he was Cub Scout of the Year in Ohio. (laughs) For all of Ohio, actually, Um, I have a I actually I have a newspaper clipping of him standing in front of an American flag with political leaders and Cub Scout leaders because he won that (laughs) award. Just funny to me, but um, he he had a very tough upbringing. Um, His mom never really wanted him. Um, He was one of four children. He was the baby of the family. So he was essentially raised by his sisters and his older brother, George. Um, his mom ran off and ended up marrying a guy that was his brother George's age. And that was someone that was trying to be my dad's father, but my dad could never accept that. Um, so my dad had such a tough upbringing with being ping ponged around the different family members that he really had to pave his path early on. Um, at the age of nine, his father passed away and he really had to he, get himself dressed uh, every, every day to try to figure out what his life was gonna be like that day. So this is a man that may have not, have gone through the educational system. Um, he had potential, but he just didn't have like the guidance or support from family. So he paved his own path and he made it for himself as an auto mechanic. And he found that wrestling was something he was so interested in and pursued it. And then eventually connected with people like Johnny Payne. He was, Johnny was one of his best friends. He really always enjoyed him and being around him. And that's why I think partly when we would go to California and vacation with you, um, he really enjoyed being around you. But my dad also was a man that had very limited friends. He knew a lot of people, but he would tell me that his real friends, he could never count on, on, on one hand. Um, And he was just very selective. He said he had a lot of acquaintances, but very few friends. I I didn't understand it then because I thought he had so many friends, but I do understand it now. But he he surely did have a um, tough upbringing and I feel sorry about that. Um, You know, because there's no way to (laughs) change that, but uh, it really did make him into the person who he was. Another thing is like while I was growing up with him my dad always said I love you to us like so many times in a day. I used to get so annoyed when I was a kid because he would say I love you, I love you, I love you all these times a day. Like one time I counted and it was like 32 times he had said I love you to me. And um and I miss that now. I truly miss that now. And you know, even though he felt abandoned by his mother at a young age, he always like supported her. Like when I was younger, my dad would send his mom, her name was Tula, he would send her to Vegas and and buy her jewelry. He was always trying to get his mom to love him. And I feel bad about that because like, I see why he was trying to do that because like there was a void there, but he never wanted it to be there. So he was always chasing after his mom trying to find love. So mm. yeah. Just a very interesting dynamic, you know. Oh, absolutely. So, wow. So I was very shy growing up. Um, my dad somehow found out when our sixth grade uh, student council elections were, and when I arrived home that evening, I remember him saying, "Get ready to run for student council vice president. I'm I'm going to be your campaign manager," and I was in shock. I couldn't believe it. I didn't want to run for camp any campaign and me running for student council knowing that i had to speak in front of an audience it was such a daunting thought for me um so he he eventually convinced me and i ran for the position and won and um he um he was a pro at marketing he had large posters made had my picture on it with the same don't be buffaloed with your vote vote for <laughs> the best and then he had my name written as jennifer buffalo barrier and my middle name's not buffalo and he had a picture of me, and there was a buffalo on my picture. And he truly cared about my growth, and of course, he wanted me to get out of my shell because I was so shy. Um, and he he definitely helped me, um, but I was uh, I was so fearful of wanting to speak in front of people, and he 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 knew that getting me out and running for student council was going to be the way to like help me. Um, so that was that was just really interesting to me that he came up with that slogan yeah so and cute. then I won and then the next year he said now you're vice president you only go uphill from here because I was thinking of running for treasure and he goes no we're, we're getting you to run for president and I did and I won and so it was just so funny to me but I, I miss those I definitely miss those days yeah
0: that is so cute yeah <laughs> to see yeah. you <laughs>
1: I actually still have my poster, Oh, too, my gosh. I do. I'll have to send you a picture. Yes, honey.
2: please. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What do I have here, brother? This looks like a future BWF superstar. I can't believe it. Look at the abs on this guy. Look at the power. What's your name, brother? Superman. Superman. I think you could be a future BWF star. Who's your favorite BWF superstar?
3: Uh, I
2: like it I like it you're gonna be a star you know you're gonna be the champion I promise you that we'll return return. 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 return.
0: return. if you enjoy our show please rate and review us on Apple podcast and be sure to come back next week for our discussion of true crime stories until then this is Jasmine Castillo we are voiceless no more this podcast was created produced Recorded and edited by Jasmine Castillo. Research by Debbie Babalola and Jasmine Castillo. Current active member of Darkcast Network, Transto Task Force, Uncovered.com, and partners with Search and Support San Antonio.